together. And I'm going to share again. I'm going to close out this series on a tale of four seeds. We're looking at the first parable that Jesus ever gave. This parable is very, very clear that God wants you and I to be fruitful, that we have been destined and chosen to be fruitful. Now, I want you to listen very carefully to this verse before I read these. Paul said, that I may apprehend that for which also I was apprehended. You were apprehended. Now, Jesus said also, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I apprehended you. Why? That you would go and bring forth fruit, and that fruit would remain. So there was an apprehension on God's part. He apprehended you. He seized you really by the scruff of the neck. Remember how he cornered you? Remember how you ran from him and he kept on chasing? An amazing radical grace finally cornered you and convicted you. And when you finally said, Jesus, come into my heart, you said to yourself, why did I take so long? All right, let's read. He began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. The whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. And he taught them many things by simple stories or parables. And he said to them in this teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside. That's the first seed. And the birds of the air, which he told us later, was Satan came and devoured it, stole the word away. That's the first seed. Second seed, some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, and Jesus said that's tribulation, persecution, and difficulty because of the word, it was scorched. And because it had no what? No roots. It withered away and then here comes seed number three some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and jesus said these are the cares of the world worries of life and deceitfulness of riches grew up and choked it and it yielded no crop three down one to go three negative outcomes three aborted destinies Now we come to the fourth one. But other seed fell on good ground, and it yielded a crop, and it sprang up. I love these words, sprang up, increased, produced. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Then Jesus closed it out by saying, he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him obey, is the word for hear. It's obey. Let him obey. Father, Thank you for your word today. We pray that this church will be good soil and everyone in it. That, Lord, our our destiny will not be short-circuited like the first three seeds. But we will bring forth fruit and increase. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. We breathe a prayer and say, Lord, let me be that one. Amen and amen. Well, turn to your neighbor and tell him, you're going to be fruity. You're going to be fruity. You're going to produce fruit. You never know what I'm going to tell you to tell somebody. Uh, This is such an incredible parable. And 
I want you to listen now carefully again. What is the will of God for your life? What is the will of God for your life? Jesus said that in this life, rain would fall, winds would blow, and floods would beat against the house of your faith. And he said, one of two things is going to happen. It's either going to fall, and great will be the fall of it, or it's going to stand, and it's not going to be pushed down or destroyed by the storms of life. Now, I'm going to tell you, Jesus never promised you a rose garden. He never said there would not be storms, there will, or problems, there will, or trials that sometimes seem overwhelming, there will. The question is not what comes, but what you do with what comes. And here, Jesus is saying, I want you to notice these seeds, the tale of four seeds. The four seeds are four different kinds of soil. The soil is the human heart. He says, so we're dealing here with four different kinds of hearts. Now I want you to notice something. The wayside soil, the, the, the seed that fell by the roadside, was stolen away by the devil. It was a spiritual robbery. The, the word was taken away. The stony soil had no roots, and it's uprooted away. The thorny soil, the seed sown among the thorns of life, was choked away. That's literally the Greek language there, choked away by worries and distractions. Now, why do you think he told us about the seed that was stolen away, the seed that was uprooted away, and the seed that was choked away? Why would he tell us this? So that we would not be among those three so that we would be wary of any of those three happening to us. Now, if I'm reading this parable right, what makes the difference in these four seeds is how the heart involved responds to the Word of God. It's not like you're subject to just uh, uh, uncontrollable circumstances. No. The first seed wasn't received. The second seed was never given a chance to get rooted. The third seed allowed other things to choke it. And in all cases, they were unfruitful. Now today we want to look at the good soil. What comprises the good soil? Why did this one person or this soil, this heart, produce good seed? You didn't choose him. He chose you that you would produce based on the seed sown in your heart. Listen to what Jesus said about the good soil. It is comprised of a good and honest heart. That's the first thing. It retains the truth and keeps it. That's the second thing. And the seed grows and bears fruit because of patience. That's the third seed. That's the third reason. Listen again. Jesus said the seed on good soil stands for those who with a noble and a good heart hear the word and keep it and by persevering they produce a crop so let's look at the good seed sown on a good heart by a good God God's a good God amen the good soil let's look at the good soil why did it produce first of all an honest and a good heart now what does it mean when Jesus said he said I'm looking at the heart I'm looking at the heart that bore fruit Here's what I see. First of all, it was a good heart. An honest heart. 
Doesn't mean a perfect heart. It means an honest heart. Honest means free from deception. Genuine. Real. Marked by integrity. The honest heart. The good heart. The undivided heart. Jesus, I see here, this heart, God has it. God owns it. It is given over to Him. The heart of good soil is characterized by a sincere, unwavering desire to be a totally committed follower of Jesus Christ. There's no ulterior motives, no mixed signals, no halfway effort. The good soil is the heart that means business with God. A great example is what Jesus said to Nathaniel. Nathaniel comes walking to him, walking up towards him in John 1. And it says Jesus saw Nathaniel. Boy, when it says Jesus saw you, it doesn't just mean he sees you. It means he's looking right into you. He, he knows what's in your heart. And look what he did. He saw Nathaniel coming toward him and he said concerning him, Look at that. Here is an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile, nor deceit, nor falsehood, nor duplicity. What he says he means. What he means he says. He's not on the fence. He's not of a double mind. Jesus saw right through him. And Jesus commended his single-heartedness. Now, this good soil that brought forth the good fruit, Jesus said it's an honest heart. It's this way. It's like Nathaniel's. It's not duplicitous. It's not split. It's not divided. <clears throat> James talks about the double-minded man. Remember, he says that twice. And it's the only place in the Bible where I know that phrase is used. And James uses it twice. He says the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And then he said, purify your hearts. You double of mind. Double-minded. Double-minded means two-spirited. Vacillating. I'm in. I'm out. I'm there. I'm gone. I'm sure. I'm not sure. I'm with you. I'm not. The double-minded man is a man of two minds, and he can't make up either one of them. He's like the dead squirrel in the middle of the road. Every time I see a dead squirrel, I know that I'm looking at something that could make up his mind. You see how they get in the middle of the road. They look this way, and they look that way, they look this way. And by the time they get done looking, it's over with. A lot of people are that way. They're dead in the middle of the road because they couldn't make up their mind. Let me tell you something. Jesus calls you to totally follow him with 110% of your heart. Christianity won't work for any other person. It's not designed to. Don't tell me, well, I tried Christianity. It didn't work for me. No. Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and not tried. you got to make up your mind. Jesus doesn't believe in the fence. Well, I'm, I'm just riding the fence right now. There is no fence. You're either in or you're out. You can't walk with God and walk with the world. You can't have a divided mind. you got to make up your mind and say, Lord, <clears throat> you died for me. You gave everything you had for me. I'm giving everything back to you. It's like the old song says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. 
No turning back, though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back, the world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back, no turning back. We used to, way back in the early 70s, when the Jesus movement was in full swing, we used to get into a room, about a hundred of us young people with a guitar, and we'd sing that song. And I'm going to tell you, it was understood among us. It was understood. This was an all-or-nothing proposition. You didn't kind of follow Jesus. You didn't kind of go on with God. You sold out. And we found out that when we sold out to Him, He poured out His best on us. If you want all that God has, give Him all of yourself. So the honest heart, the soil that produces fruit is the, the honest, sincere, undivided, not perfect, but sincere heart that says, Lord, I'm going to follow you every step of the way. I'm going to get up in the morning and say, you are my Lord. Guide me in your will today. Lead me in the path today. Lord, be my light, be my wisdom, be my counselor, be my philosopher, be my redeemer, be my deliverer, be my healer, be my provider, be my all in all today, Lord. So if you want to be good soil and be fruitful, sell out to him and you'll start producing love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, faith. You'll start reminding people of Jesus because when you fully follow him, his fruit is produced in you and you will be influential for him because people will want what you got. Now, I, I see another thing about this, this heart that was fruitful, this heart that produced, this life that was fruitful and counted for God, some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. It says, they keep the Word of God. Keep it. Now, words are important, very crucial. And in the Bible, this word keep is taken from a Greek word that means to seize onto something. Retain it, hold it tightly, hold it close, guard it, watch over it like you would watch over money in a safe or jewelry in a lockbox. Because you know that what you've got is so valuable, something's going to try to steal it. Keep. They, Jesus said they, with an honest and a good heart, they keep. The word of God. Remember, that first seed was stolen away because they didn't keep it. The second one was uprooted away because it didn't go down deep and they didn't hold tightly to it. The third one was choked away because they let other things come in and they didn't guard it. So you got to guard the word of God in your life. Can I tell you that word is the most valuable thing you've got? It is the pearl of great price and the enemy is out to steal that word from you if he can. He's a thief. He's a liar. He's no good. And he's after your faith. He's after the word in your life. I don't know how I can express that to you except Jesus said that he was a thief and a murderer and a liar and can't speak one word without it being a lie. 
Now, let me tell you something about your Christian life, and this is a fact. Right now, the Word of God in your life is under scrutiny by and under attack from the enemy of your soul. The devil will always try to steal God's Word from your heart. His weapon of choice is the dagger of doubt. If he can get you to doubt it, he can get you to leave it. If he can get you to doubt it, he can get you into sin. Listen carefully to me. He'll try to say to you, how do you know the Word of God? Are you sure that's the Word of God over your life? Surely God understands that you want to go do this or that or thus and so. Surely God understands that and you're just being a little bit too uh, too fanatical. Uh, You need to not be so churchy and so fanatical and so religious. Live a little. You deserve a break today. And he tries to steal the Word of God out of your heart. In the Garden of Eden, this is how we first find him. We see the devil, the first thing out of his mouth was a lie to Eve to steal the Word of God from her heart. She had a word. That word was protecting not only her and Adam, but the entire human race. And he said his famous words, Hath God said? Hath God said? What was he after? Eve, I'm going to get you to doubt the Word. I want you to lose the Word. I want you to put the Word aside. I want you to give it up. Hath God said, Eve, God didn't really mean that. He's holding back on you. He's holding back on you. He doesn't want you to know what he knows. He doesn't want you to be like him. He's stealing from you, Eve. Don't you know that God is not who you think he is, Eve? And with strike after strike, thought after thought, in the theater of her mind, he attacked. All the battles in your life happen between your two ears. In the arena of thought, that's where the battles are waged and where it rages. And finally she said, you know what? You've got a point. I do doubt God. I do doubt the Word. And she reached out. She picked the fruit of the forbidden tree and she ate. And when she did, she fell into sin. And universal catastrophe befell God's creation. Think about it. In the wilderness, Jesus was attacked three times by Satan. And what did he do every time? Each time it was to steal away God's word from his heart. He did his best to make Jesus doubt who he was. Everything he said to him began with an if. If you be the Son of God, command these stones to be bred. If you be the Son of God, jump. Jesus, the angels will carry you, hold you, whisk you up and protect you. Jesus, if you are, what was he after? Stealing the word of God from his heart. There is a word in you. It's the word of your salvation. There is a word in you. God has given you a word to walk with him, a word to fulfill his destiny, a word he has given you. It's there in the safe of your soul in the protection of your heart. And the Bible says, the one that brought forth fruit kept it, watched over it, guarded it, and would not let the enemy steal it. He'll even say to you, you really think you're a child of God? If you were a child of God, you wouldn't be acting this way, doing these things. He tries to steal your salvation assurance from you. And Jesus defeated him with the razor-sharp truth of the Word of God, as you will. Paul told the Thessalonians that they must test all things and hold fast, cleave to, cling to, don't let go that which is good. 
There is a battle church. And there comes a time when you've got to say, that's it. You're not going to take the Word of God out of my heart and my life. I'm saved, I'm healed, I'm blessed, and you're not stealing that from me. The good soil that brings forth fruit is the heart that holds the Word close to its heart, not allowing it to be stolen away. I find really interesting, little Mary, little teenage Mary, little Jew, Jewish girl, an angel appears to her. Hail Mary, you are blessed among women. For that which is going to be conceived in you is of the Holy Spirit. What a word. What a word. Say what? Of the Holy Spirit in me? And you know what it says about little Mary? It's no wonder she was chosen. Luke 2.19 says she kept all these things in her heart. Don't you know the devil attacked her when she's beginning to grow great with child? You think you really think you're bringing forth the son of God? You have lost your mind. Uh, you're crazy, girl. How, what do you mean you're bringing forth the, 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 the son of God without ever knowing a man? Uh, how do you think you got pregnant? What's the matter with you? How did you start thinking all these crazy things? How did she explain it to mom and dad? How did she explain it to the town? She kept all these things in her heart. She held them close. She said, devil, I got a word, and I'm not going to let it go. <clears throat> You're not going to steal it away. He's born. He begins to grow. The kid never does anything wrong. He never gets whooped. He doesn't need to. There's no sin in his life. But when he's 30, he goes down to the waters and gets baptized, comes out, the Holy Ghost descends upon him. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He goes off into the wilderness to fight the devil, comes out in the anointing of the Spirit, begins to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, walk on water. And Mary saw the Word come to pass. I'm going to tell you something. The devil's after the Word in some of y'all's hearts. He's out to tell you your marriage can't make it. He's out to tell you that you can't make it. He's out to tell you you can't beat a habit in your life. He's out to tell you that the habit or the sin is stronger than God in you. And I'm telling you, don't let him steal the word of God from your heart. Say with me, I've got a word. It's the word of God. I'm going to watch it. Stand over that thing with a sword drawn. Get away from the word in my life. Devil, get away from the word in my life. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, don't let him steal it. And then the last thing he said about this good soil. He said this good soil not only is honest, single-hearted towards God, but this soil is also one that keeps the word, won't let it be sto stolen. And then he said the last thing about this soil that really produces is it perseveres. The word patience and persevere, same Greek word it's translated from. They bring forth fruit with patience or perseverance. I want to really look at this one. Perseverance means to cheerfully endure under a load. 
The Christian doesn't just carry a load. He cheerfully endures under a load. You know why? Because you know he's going to make everything work together for your good. You know why you cheerfully endure? Because you know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know why you're cheerfully enduring? Because you know that that enemy of yours is only a matter of time before God takes him down. So you don't just carry a load. You cheerfully endure. Now, listen carefully to me. You will never, ever bear fruit without perseverance. It's not going to happen. If there's quit in you, the devil will find it. He'll find it. If you're a quitter, he'll find it. But I got news for you again. The one that lives inside of you is not a quitter. The one that lives inside of you is a finisher. The one that lives inside of you is a conqueror. The one that lives inside of you is a winner. And so <clears throat> you've got at times to persevere. You know that I love cycling. I love cycling. I love cycling more and more. I did 40 miles yesterday just out there cycling. Now, you know what I've noticed? Uh, after about 30 miles, there's a term for cyclists and, and people that are involved in athletic stuff. It's called hit the wall. After a certain time, you hit the wall. That means you run out of natural strength. And, and yesterday, I'm riding along, enjoying a beautiful day. I mean, woods. I was riding the river out there and just enjoying it. And I've got a little odometer on my bike, and I can watch how far I've gone. And I hit 30 miles, and I'm feeling good. And all of a sudden, this boy hit the wall. I felt my natural strength ebb. And I said, oh, no. I'm starting to feel tired, and i got 10 miles to go to get back to my car. So even though I'm hitting the wall, i got to keep going, or I'm stuck in the woods. Now, let me tell you something. In this walk we're in, sometimes you hit the wall. Sometimes you just don't feel you can go another step. But guess what? That's when perseverance kicks in. And you've got to say, though I don't feel that I can do it, I do know that grace is on my life and grace is going to see me through. So even though I've hit the wall, I'm going to keep on going. When you hit the wall, you may not feel a bunch of energy. You may not feel the strength of God. You may not hear angels playing their harp. You just put one foot in front of the other, trusting grace is going to see you through. And it does. And so I just said, man, i got to keep going. I have no choice. i got to keep going. So I started pedaling, and all of a sudden, a second wind came. All of a sudden, energy came out of nowhere. And I sailed that last 10 miles, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. You say, well, I didn't know that I was supposed to have trials so bad that I would hit the wall. Let me tell you what. Peter hit the wall. Paul hit the wall. James hit the wall. Jesus hit the wall. He said, Lord, if there's any way, dear Heavenly Father, to get me out of this, show me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he hit the wall, but he got up again. And you have inside of you a champion that gets up again. Yeah. 
You're never going to bear fruit without perseverance. Jesus is the champion that lives inside of you. Listen to how Isaiah <clears throat> described him. What he saw Jesus was going to be like. He said he will not fail. He will not be discouraged. Till he has established justice. Translated, he will not give up and quit. Luke records, as the time drew near for his return to heaven, he moved steadily onward toward Jerusalem with an iron will. I love that. Steadily onward. Iron will. That's the one that lives inside of you. That's the Jesus that lives inside of you. He doesn't quit. He doesn't give up. <clears throat> he doesn't let you quit. He doesn't let you give up. You know, I got to thinking how much we owe to people who have persevered. Without perseverance, we wouldn't have these lights. We wouldn't have air conditioning. Hallelujah. Somebody persevered. We, we, we wouldn't have so much of what we have if somebody hadn't persevered. <clears throat> Do you know what Thomas Edison failed so many times and looking for an incandescent bulb, looking for something that would burn without being consumed, that the throwaways stacked up two stories outside his window? Winston Churchill, Hitler's worst nightmare, said these words, success is going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. Well, I like that. Noah Webster labored 36 years writing his dictionary, crossing the Atlantic twice to gather material. And I use his dictionary today with you. 36 years on a dictionary. Everybody say with me, boring. <laughs> boring. But he was driven and he persevered. One writer of children's books was rejected 23 times by 23 publishers. Now, I publish books. I've written three books with a publisher. And I'm going to tell you something. Rejections hurt. You get that rejection in the mail and you go, uh-oh. And it stings. But I want you to notice this. 23 times he was told, don't like it. It's no good. You don't have any future. Don't like the stuff. It's crazy. It won't work. We won't take it. 23 times. The 24th publisher decided to take a chance with him and his first book sold 6 million copies. You know him as Dr. Seuss. The Coca-Cola company persevered in their first year. They persevered, selling only 400 bottles of the new drink to the entire nation. But they persevered. Edward Gibbons labored for 24 years to complete his classic, Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire, that is a history source for every college. But he was writing it. 24 years he persevered one young 28 year old poet received his poems back in the mail with a note from the poetry editor of the Atlantic Monthly saying these words quote our magazine has no room for your vigorous verse Robert Frost persevered Henry Ford filed for bankruptcy twice in the first three years in the automobile business he chose to persevere. Many of you drove a Ford here today. By perseverance, the snail reached the ark. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> you 
You ever thought about that? There goes the lions, there goes the deer, there goes, and he just, he was the last one in. Christopher Morley said, big shots are only little shots that keep shooting. You want to be a big shot, little shot? Okay, little shot, listen, keep shooting. One day you'll be a big shot. I laughed recently. I read this. I couldn't believe it. A Hollywood couple that had filed for divorce, which almost never happens in Hollywood. <laughs> they, they file for divorce, get ready to play your violin, stating that after six months of marriage and really trying to make it work, they called it quits. They didn't even have time to get their wedding cleaning back from the cleaners. Come on, six months. We need a little bit of perseverance, don't we? Jesus said, it is finished. Not, I almost made it. Paul said, I have finished my course. Not, I couldn't go on. Now, those of you that think about quitting, because some of you in here are thinking about quitting your marriage, quitting your walk with God, quitting your seeking of God, quitting your business, or quitting your ministry, you're thinking about quitting. It's in the back of your mind, and the quits are working on you. Listen carefully. Let me ask you a couple of questions. If you quit, what are you going to quit to? Well, I'm going to, anything's better than this. Listen, what are you going to quit to? Could the finish tape be closer than you think? Here's another question. Do you need to quit or just find another approach? Are you quitting when a break might be all you really need? Do you really want to throw away everything you've put into it, that marriage, that business, defeating that habit? Do you really want to quit? When you've got already so much blood, sweat, and tears involved in it, you want to quit now? Now I've got the most important question of all. You ready? Is God calling you to quit? Because if God's not saying to you, quit, you better not quit. And let me tell you what God does not say. He doesn't say quit. The only thing God tells you to quit is sin. He'll transition you, but he doesn't put you out to pasture He'll say, quit the sin, but are you seeking him? Have you said, God, do you want me to quit this? And have you really honestly waited for an answer? Hebrews 6.12 says that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Faith working with patience. Hebrews 10.36, for you have need of patient perseverance. So that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. But the seed that fell on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word and keep it. And by persevering, they produce a crop. There's a destiny on your life. Every one of you here, there's a destiny from heaven on your life that you would produce fruit. Be influential for Jesus. Shine. Take on his likeness. It's not ever going to happen unless you get a single heart towards him and you keep his word, don't let it be stolen. 
and you persevere through some trials. I believe if your Sundays don't change your Mondays, Sunday wasn't any good. And so I want today to change tomorrow. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to stand up and we're going to pray. Can you stand up with me? Can you say with me a single heart? Guarding the word. Persevering. Even when I hit the wall. You'll bear fruit, friend. You're in the fourth category right there. That's you. Now, what about your life? What about the first part? If you had a divided mind or a single mind towards Christ, what about the second one? Are you keeping the word or is it being stolen from you? What about the quits? You have been tempted to quit, haven't you, some of you? To walk away. Has God told you to do that? I'm going to ask us to bow for a moment of prayer. You can say, Pastor Jeff, this was for me today, and I've been kind of double-minded, or the devil really has. He's gotten me to doubting God. Or, you're right, I've been tempted to quit. You're in one of those three categories, maybe more. Can you slip your hand up in the air right where you are? Many, many people. I'm going to tell you, the Spirit of God is here in such a real way right now. I so sense Him. And you are here today, friend, because God is really talking to you you're at a crossroads I want to encourage you make the right decision say Lord I'm going to follow you with all of my heart so I want to pray with you right where you are lift your hand once again and say this with me Lord Jesus I'm going to have a single heart towards you. I have decided to follow you. And there's no turning back. Now those of you, the word is under attack. The dagger of doubt is sticking your soul. Say, Lord, I give you the doubt. Confirm your word to me. Strengthen me in this battle to watch over the precious word of God in my life. And Lord, I've hit the wall. I'm tired. I can't imagine going another step. I want you to say with me right now out loud, I will go another step. I will go another mile. Not by flesh but by grace 
Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And Lord, I thank you that today has redirected me in Jesus' name. If you needed this today, give the Lord a hand of praise, would you?